1: Hello, fellow POTS patients and beloved people who care about POTS patients. I'm Jill Brooke, your horizontal host. And today we have an episode of the POTS Diaries, where we get to hear the tales of others in our community. Today, we are speaking with Allie, who has kindly volunteered to be here. Thank you, Allie, for joining us.
2: Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, we're excited to get to know you. For starters, where are you? I am in Columbus, Ohio. I'm originally from Springfield, Ohio, and then I moved here after college. So what is Columbus, Ohio like, and what is it known for, if anything? I live in a suburb, so I guess the best of both worlds. I get a little bit of the city when I want to go downtown, but then I'm also very close to a target, which is, you know, all I really want in life. A lot of people know the Ohio State Buckeyes. We're the capital of the state, so there's got all kinds of stuff going on here Yeah. I am very bubbly, very friendly, patient with others. Not always patient with like myself, though. I just love it because we have got a little bit of everything here. We've got sports, we've got art, we've got medicine, we've got everything you could want within 20 minutes. So I love it here. Excellent. And I know
1: Springfield, Ohio, because that's where our president and founder is located. So there is a home in Springfield, Ohio, that is doing tons of POTS advocacy and research and fundraising. And I've always thought that it's probably some home in Ohio that, you know, maybe you drive by it, but you'd never know that, like, all this progress is coming out of this one home. I
2: know. And I was like, the one time I'm this close to one of these (laughs) events. I have to travel like five hours away, but it made me (laughs) excited. I was like, okay, maybe next year I can go. But yeah, it made me excited that Springfield's got something so near and dear to be going on.
1: Great. Okay. So let's learn more about you. How would your friends or family
2: describe your personality? I am caring. I get very excited about things and will talk your ear off. And I know a little bit about everything. So I'm always a good person to have a trivia. Oh, excellent. So can you tell us about some things that you like to do? I love to rescue animals to my husband's chagrin. <laughs> right now, I have a cat sitting right next to me, and I have a dog sitting on the other side of me. I have two cats that siblings that we adopted. I told my husband we were going to get one, and we walked out with two. And then a year later, we adopted a dog. So my dog is one of my favorite things. We go on a watch, We hang out and watch our shows together. I love doing things with my husband. We love to go on like beer tasting or just all kinds of fun events around town. Also sleeping. I mean, just as part of being a pot person, I think now to become wanting, you know, your favorite thing. So a little bit of everything.
1: Yeah. Okay. If we were to force you to brag about yourself, what
2: are some things that you're good at? I am good with technology. I am like the go-to tech person at work. I'm always people how to do things. I didn't ask for this job. I always had to teach my grandpa, which taught me a lot of patience in life. And then (laughs) now I'm happy to teach whoever else whatever I need to. As long as I do not have to set up iTunes, again, for him. I'm happy to set up for <laughs> anyone else. I'm a pediatric nurse. I'm super passionate about my patient families, and I'll go to the end of the earth to do whatever to get them what they need. So that's, I'd say, my two big things. Wow. Those are
1: some important skills in life. Yeah. Okay. Can I try out a couple new questions on you? Yeah, of course. If you could sum it up in one minute or less, what is the greatest accomplishment of your life so far?
2: Oh my gosh, that is a huge question. I would say the biggest accomplishment of my whole life is just bouncing back from all of kind of the hand that's been dealt to me between things happening when I grew up to then kind of getting hit with a lot of health stuff in my early 20s. I got to the point where I was like, had no job, felt terrible all the time didn't know what I was going to do next, was watching Love After Lockup. And my husband was like, okay, you need to something to perk you up. And I, you know, found new things to get factored out, got a new job. I'm, you know, really excelling. And now I'm even more specialized in my career. And I'm happier and healthier than I have been in a very long time. So I think just picking myself up by the bootstraps and getting back into life was probably the biggest accomplishment I've got so far.
1: That's awesome. Can you give us a snapshot of what your life looked like before POTS, if you had a life before POTS?
2: Yeah. I don't know. We've been kind of playing with the idea of when POTS started or what, because I definitely have passed out at least like 12 times in my life. It happened at church when I was like eight, when I was playing tennis, you know, those other things. But I wasn't having the orthopedic symptom, but also like in college was just drinking day Coke like it was water. Was very fit, so I probably kind of might have snuck around it. But so definitely before my most dramatic of it, last when I really started noticing symptoms, I was pretty active. Could get by with six hours of sleep. I was working night shift, so I was just like never awake at the right time. You know, was but still going out every weekend, staying up till two in the morning. You know, take my dog on really long walks and running around you mean like not taking good care of myself but still feeling great doing great fully functioning brain I would say it's before my like most major event and symptoms really kind of rolled in or became noticeable okay so what did that look like we like to call it I rose from the dead on Easter morning because I was working on the floor I just got my first like nursing job And it was three in the morning. went downstairs, got the mac and cheese, sat down. And the next thing I knew, I was on the floor in there doing CPR. And it was my own first code blue. I came to and I was like, hi, guys. Like, what's going on? And they all looked shocked too because they were like, you didn't have a pulse a little bit ago. And I was like, oh, I'm sorry. I literally kept apologizing because I was like, oh, I'm so sorry, guys. I'm so sorry. I'm like being such a burden. (laughs) no idea what I was about to walk into. I work at a children's hospital. So they take me down to the children's ED. They're all expecting someone who's coding and I'm just rolling in a wheelchair just being like, hi. They're like, okay, we'll we'll give you some fluids and set me to the adult hospital. They didn't really know what to do with me, but my orthostatics were terrible. So they're like, we know something's up, but they couldn't really figure it out. They sent me home on a heart monitor. My primary care doctor, who was amazing, was out. And so I saw a guy who, someone else was like, oh, it might be possibly an old lady." Then they sent me home, and I just was having chest pain all the time. I was like anxious. Every time I stood up, my heart rate would get like to 180. I also was wearing a monitor all the time, so that I was beeping in patient rooms and freaking people out. like Am I beeping? Or are you beeping? So it was definitely a wake up call to who knew what? Like, no one knew what was wrong. So it's just it was a lot of anxiety and a lot of just like physical symptoms and being exhausted.
1: So how long did you go through that stage until you had an answer and somebody says, we know what this is. It's POTS. We can start treating you now.
2: Yeah. So let's see. I talked out in April and then that was my most dramatic of like passing out. But they, they were like, oh, send could POTS, but like only old ladies have POTS, which is very funny now because I know only young people really, or you mean like middle-aged people with POTS. I haven't really met any old ladies with POTS. <laughs> so then, they sent me the cardiologist, the dress test, the table tilt. I didn't pass out during my table tilt, but I was symptomatic. But the cardiologist was like, it's just anxiety. Like, you're just anxious. You know, I think if you talk to someone and get some meds, like, you'll be fine. And I was like, okay, but I still don't think it's normal that I'm sitting here. And my heart rate's 140. And he was like, "No, nope, it's just anxiety. So then went back to my primary care doctor, who was amazing. And she done some of her setting at the Cleveland Clinic. And she was like, why don't I just send you up there. They've got a POTS clinic. If it's not we'll no better. We can go to the next place. And if it is, great. We send you to the right place. So I called them. They had an appointment two days later. They just happened to have an opening, which is rare. And I went up there and couldn't get my table tilt results. So they're like, we're pretty sure it's POTS, but until we can see your table tilt, we can't call up that. So then went through some more stuff. We tried some meds, got a lot better. Started drinking real water and not Sprite, which I thought could be hydrating but it's not like started everything you kind to have to do for the protocol started feeling a lot better then got another table tilt because they couldn't get my record again they're like oh yeah you've got pots and so it was right after Christmas like three days after Christmas they found out so probably eight months from start to beginning and then I ended up getting COVID in 2020 and then have kind of developed a new pot or new dysautonomia oh, no. symptom as this cold coming off meds like literally I had my appointment to come off meds and I it was right in the middle of me having COVID so it's okay we won't touch anything and then it just got worse so now we're kind of looking at it again so I feel like I'm going through the process again but I mean it was great that I already had the team in place to kind of work on it and not have to go through that battle again but right now my symptoms are a lot worse than when I started but we're working on it.
1: Oh, that's we're the more. attitude. Oh, yeah. So can you talk more about what you alluded to before about how your greatest accomplishment in life had been bouncing back from some of this stuff, including the POTS? Do you mind talking about your yeah. comeback from some of the yeah. POTS stuff?
2: Yeah, of course. I got my diagnosis and I was doing okay at work, but like, I was working in a very acute floor. So you have to be on your beam like all the time. And at first the adrenaline was fueling me and then it became to the point where it was overwhelming me and I couldn't be all focused and then early 2020 because right before COVID hit I passed out again and I got a concussion this time so then it was really bad and I was having headaches and couldn't get my brain to function you know I took two weeks off just to see if I could get it back and I am very impatient with myself being at the level that I think I should be at I think I should be a star athlete but my body does not think that so I just like wasn't a question I couldn't get it and then the the pandemic hit and my boss and I kind of sat down and we were really like hey this is not working my anxiety's through the roof my symptoms are through the roof and I can't physically tolerate this job as much as I want to it was like my dream job and realized this isn't gonna work so they were offering furlough because of the pandemic. We were doing less surgery. So I was going to be furloughed anyway. So I was like, let's just volunteer for it now. And so I thank goodness found another job in that time. But I came home that day and I just like bawled because that's the first time I've ever kind of had to leave a job, like, and didn't have my next one lined up. But that was terrifying. And I felt terrible and we couldn't really figure out why. And well, we knew it was the concussion and we kind of just have to wait a concussion. I can't really do more than that. And my pops was mad because I'm stressed and so that's going to make it worse. So I was just sitting home on my couch, just like so depressed and didn't know what to do. And I just was like, okay, we're going to keep buckling through and keep pushing in and figure it out. And I found my job now in an outpatient clinic and I love what I do. I love, love, love what I do now. So it was a blessing, but it was, even just starting that job, I was like, this is nowhere near the level where I was performing before, even before pod, I was like, so quick to learn anything so fast to keep track of a bazillion things at once. And the fact that I couldn't was so frustrating. And it's just one of those things where it's like, you get too mad at yourself, you can't do anything about it. So patience with myself has been such a huge thing. And I think about a year after being in my job, I, you know, completed a really huge project that changed how we do things in our department and like game changer kind of thing. And I was like, Hey, I could be good at this job. I can be really successful and still make an impact in others' lives without needing to be in that super fast paced job. So just kind of a change of mindset was a huge part about it. So can you talk more about the
1: concussion since you kind of have both sides of it, right? The medical provider side and the patient side. What yeah. symptoms were you having and for how long? And you said you just kind of have to wait out a concussion. How long did you wait out and yeah. did all the symptoms go away? Can you just tell us a bit about your concussion experience?
2: Yeah. So actually, I'm pretty sure I've had a couple of concussions just from time that tapped out. And each one you have gets a little worse, which is why obviously they're so worried about football players too with you, right? When I first got it, I had a headache for two straight weeks. I had to go to the ED like twice to get meds just to get it to stop like I couldn't look at screens I couldn't do anything but lay in my bed which was miserable because I had someone who needs to be doing something all the time like I could barely even look at a book my head hurt so bad and then after that my processing was just not where it needed to be I was needing to write myself notes more like my short-term memory wasn't quite that like it all kind of I'd say within three months I was probably 80% back and then within six months 90 and then within a year I was back to 100 but I was having a lot more migraine for that year afterwards which is like frustrating because those things knock you down like can't look at screens can't you know sit in a room with light have to go sit somewhere dark and wait it out which was it's frustrating because you literally have to stop your life and walk away and that was a huge part of it and then just being good about my meds all the time was huge to try and you know, kind of prevent those headaches. And those are some of the biggest things I had in nausea during the first few weeks. was really bad too. So what helps you most with your POTS now? Laying down is the biggest thing. Because that's the one thing I do the least. <laughs> Especially I'm in my tend to be running around the floor, sitting. So laying down is the hugest thing. I come home and I lay down for an hour without quiet time. I come home. I lay down for half an hour and I just do something mindless like read a book or play a game on my phone. That's going to be a big thing, especially with like the fight or flight part of pot, where if you're doing a lot of things to make you excited or nervous, like I definitely I feel it amping up my POP for my symptoms. So that hour of coming home and just letting my body relax, I think has been a huge part of like then being able to have a home life because I definitely can push myself through the work life. But then if I don't give myself the hour, I am no use to anyone when I come home. So that, I would say, is my biggest. Do you think that
1: POTS has taught you any life lessons? It has taught me a lot.
2: Okay, life lessons-wise, I mean, the amount of patience POTS has taught me is insurmountable. I have learned I have to be patient with myself and with others in the medical system, because I don't understand why we can't get answers right away. That has been a huge thing it's taught me. I think it's taught me to really appreciate the good days. When I wake up feeling good and I feel good all day, that's the day I know I need to take advantage of and, you know, make memories with my husband or with my family. And for those when I'm having a bad day that, you know, it's okay. we can have a bad day because it means we're going to have more good days. And I think just being positive when you're like at that bottom and everything looks terrible, there's nothing I feel like I can do but be positive because there's no point to sit in the dumps and just be upset, Like right? I feel like i got to do something. It's being positive. The one thing I can do and that's what we're going to do. That's great. So
1: a moment ago, you had mentioned frustrations with the medical system. Mm-hmm. Can I ask what are your frustrations with the medical system? Because you see it from more sides than just oh, yeah.
2: only the patients. I think it's what we're all seeing, you know, at the right now. There's a shortage of providers. There's a shortage of space. There's a shortage of, all right, there's barely any time for people to see patients. So I would just be like, I don't understand why I have to wait three months to see this GI doctor. Like my gut feels terrible. Why do I have to wait to fix this now? Even though I understand it's because there's only so many providers that see people like this. Like I get it, but it just drives me nuts because you'd mean like I'm someone who needs it now. But I think it makes me appreciate when I do get to that doctor's office. Like I went for a visit that I just had to wait six months for. And he spent an hour and a half with me and talked to me about, all this kind of stuff and I was like this is why you wait this long because he literally went through every single fear or concern I had and just tore them all down and okay this is what we can do about this like made me feel so good when I walked out that I was like okay yes I'd wait six months again for that you know what I mean so I think when they make it worth it then it's still worth it so it's just one of the things where you just are like you get why you have to wait but it's just still annoying
1: are there any things that you try to do as a patient because you know
2: that when patients do it for you, it helps you help them? Yeah. I, my chart, my doctor, when I have a concern, I'll send a my chart. I just, my chart the other day about some headaches I was having and I was like, okay, because I work in neurology and talk to kids about their headaches. So I was like, okay, what did my doctor want to know? Okay, they want to know, have I been drinking my water? Have I been taking me a meds? How's my sleep been? So I just, so I'm just like typing it as if I was calling the patient to ask for the same thing, but I also don't get too flowery with it because like, they need to get through the quick. if I want my answer quick. So just trying to make it concise, but give them the details so that we're not going back and forth each time to just get to where we need to go. My other big thing is always trying to keep my medication records up to date at every single place. Like even if they're just like rolling through and I was like, no, I need you to add these five that I'm now taking because I know it's going to make a difference. Like, let's say if I have to go to the ED, that's going to make a difference there. Or when they go to determine my meds, like I've had them be like, okay, well, we're going to go up on this. and like, oh, well, actually I've been up on that for the last like six months. So no, (laughs) either we need to go up even higher or pick something else. So I think that's a huge other thing I always think about. Yeah. So
1: what do you think gives you the strength to deal with all this? Like what helps you cope?
2: I mean... I think just the, the desire to want to like not even get back to where I was, but just to be able to like enjoy my life again. I have an amazing, lovely husband who will sit and listen to me for hours, just talk and complain about stuff, bluff the part. Yes. yes, it's just so positive and pushes me to be better, to do better, reminds me to eat something every once in a while. If I drink my water, you know, make sure I have my stuff. Because, you know, we just want to build a life together and have fun and have a good day. So I think that's what, that's what drives me to, you know, remember to take my meds and do all those things because there's so many more things I hopefully will get to do with my life that it's kind of that stuff that motivates me to be like, no, let's fix this now because I don't want to be here in 20 years and still be grumpy and mad and not able to, you know, get myself up. If I can have a better quality of life in five years, I'm happy to push through it now because it'll be worth it.
1: So as things are now, what does a really bad day look like for you? And what does a really good day look like for you?
2: So a really good day looks like, well, first it's a day that I usually get to sleep in a little bit. <laughs> Whenever I get to sleep in, I tend to feel a little better, see a little nicer. And then it's a day where I can get up. I feel good. Nothing hurt, Nothing hurts. Nothing hurts me. I don't feel tired. You know, walk around to so will put my clothes on and getting downstairs. I feel good enough to take the dog out in the morning and then feel good enough to go on some kind of adventure with my husband, and either going to a new brewery or going to the garden place or whenever we would like to do that day. And then, you know, eating lunch and not feeling nauseous afterwards and then coming home and relaxing for a little bit. I know no matter what, I have to take a break during the day and then getting back up and being able to go out for dinner with friends and go to drinks and then hang out. And then go to sleep and wake up the next morning and not feel like terrible. Like that's a good day is a day where I get to go out and be active and not feel like there's going to be consequences for it Actually, What percentage of your days do you get that? I would say I have probably 10 to 20% of really good days. I would say I have 70% moderate days where they're pretty good, but like I got to do some stuff to like, I got to take my girlfriend because I ate a little too much or my belly doesn't feel good because it's too hot outside or got to work on this where I got to kind of tweak stuff to make it work for me. And then I'd say 10% are bad days, days where I literally have to lay down all day. I'm taking naps all day because I'm exhausted. I'm just straight drinking water, eating a little bitty snacks because my stomach won't settle. All my bones hurt or in days where I feel like when I go to stand up, that i'm just like my head hurts my body does not like this let's get done we've got to get done lay back down they're becoming more and more rare which makes me happy but they're still there which gets frustrating like i had one two weeks ago and i had to leave work which is very frustrating so i haven't had to do that i think like ever and i did just before the laser hit me i was like yep nope we need to lay down and Laying down at my cubicle is not going to look cute. So it's like one of those things where, you know, you got to go home and just work it out and lay down for 12 hours until your body figures itself back out. So we're making progress, but there's still a little of everything. Would
1: you be up for doing a speed round where we just ask you to say the first thing that comes to your mind? Yeah. What is your favorite way to get salt? Probably
2: gorditos with chakmix,
1: what is the drink that you find the most hydrating?
2: If I'm super hydrating in a pinch,
1: I'll do a list with IV, but right now I'm really loving lemonade. What is your favorite time of the day and why?
2: Oh, my favorite time of the day is around four o'clock. It's when I seem to have a good amount of energy, when I seem to get the most done at work or the most done at home. And it seems to I feel the best. And I feel like I can conquer the world at four o'clock. And then 6:00 o'clock and I'm like, oh, just kidding. My body's <laughs> reminding me of where its limits are. And I need to chill back out. You know, you know I try and plan all these things for the next day because I feel really good right now. And I'm like, oh, just kidding, Allie. Well, let's, let's, let's chill back out. Where is your favorite place to spend time? My favorite place to spend time is actually where I'm at right now. I'm in my basement. We have the most comfortable couch. I literally... Purposely made sure that it was one where it's wide enough for you to lay down. So east side is like probably the size of a twin bed. And a big TV and our dog loves to snuggle up with us down here and we'll watch our favorite show. It's where I come to recover from everything, physical, mental, weather, you know, whatever I need to do. It's my little
1: hideaway place. Great. What is one word that describes what it's
2: like living with a chronic illness? Rough. not in a a negative way, but rough. I mean, it takes you some time to figure out how to smooth it out and make it work for you, but it starts off rough and it can keep being rough. Mm -hmm. What is some good advice anyone ever gave you about anything? You do you, boo-boo. I had a friend say that to me when I was like in high school and now it's like my go to. like, you do you. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes your soul shine. And same for everyone else. Do what makes you happy. As long as you're not hurting me, I don't care. Like, if that's what makes your heart happy, do it. Because it's your life and you do you. Like, you do what makes you happy. Beautiful.
1: What is something either small or inexpensive that brings you comfort or
2: joy? My husband he said but I love to buy things for our pets. If it's anything under $10, I'm going to buy it. We have the fun little scratchers. They have one right now that looks like a TV. My dog now has a Hogwarts jersey. She has a bunch of Harry Potter toys right now because I couldn't resist because they just make me so happy. They're so cute and they make my pets happy. Same for if I buy my husband like a snack or a trading card that he really wants. Like just those little things when you give them to other people and you watch their face or, you know, demeanor bile. Like it makes me happy. Nice. Who is someone that you admire and why? I think lately, I have such an amazing family. I've come from very tough, resilient people. I just recently lost my grandfather. So he has been one I've been really reflecting of how inspiring he was. He went to Ohio State and had a crazy time there and then was in the Air Force. And we keep finding out amazing things he did there and then had a family of six and the was there for me every day. I would go to his house after school and we'd have the best debates and talks. He taught me so much in life and just all he did was his life and constantly wanting to serve others that it I can see where I get it a little bit. I got his lifty eyebrows and I got his, you know, love to, to serve others. So I'm I'm probably a little of stubbornness, and definitely a little of his heart issues. He also had some heart issues too. So we like to blame it on him. My aunt also has some heart chest. So we like to say papa gave it to us he also gave us the dribbles we're terrible at keeping water in our mouth at times Here so we dribble all over <laughs> ourselves so he's the one I've been thinking about a lot about and when I think about inspiration
1: oh that's nice what do you think is the toughest thing about pots
2: I mean I think it's the basic it's literally the standing up <laughs> when you literally want to use your body and you can't that is the toughest part when it, it seen You're like, oh, okay, I've done A, B, C, and D. I've done all the things they told me. I have compression garments on out the wazoo and I can't stand up without feeling uncomfortable or I can't get through the day. That's the most frustrating part for me right now.
1: What is a gift that you would have sent to every POTS patient on earth
2: if you had infinite funds? The first thing I would send if I could and had infinite funds and some really great scientists would be a hug. I guess feel like everyone going through POTS deserves a hug because it is terrible at times. And then probably a new nervous system if I could too so that we could just get it out of here <laughs> no. and then just be done with the whole POTS thing if I could. And then probably, you know, a little liquid IV just to throw in there too.
1: I like that. A new nervous system and a little liquid IV. Yeah, everyone really needs to hydrate. Okay, can you finish these sentences? Mm-hmm. I love it when...
2: I love it when I come home from work and my dog is very excited to see me. I hate it when. I hate it when my dog uh, has pee on the carpet. <laughs> That's my current
1: upset. <laughs> People might suspect I'm a Potsy when. When they find me on the floor. And have you ever had to sit down or lie down in a weird place because of Pots? And if so, where was it?
2: yeah places definitely the weirdest one was is before i passed it definitely was like a, a very much a symptomatic day and i was just sitting in the hallway at my college and i went to a pretty big college so there's just like a lot of people bustling to and from classes and i'm just like sitting like hunched down hoping for the best and am just like it'll be fine i'm gonna bounce back i'm like i'm definitely gonna go back to class and it took me a solid 20 minutes also though my family now is a standing rule: where if I don't come out of the bathroom after 10 minutes they come to check on me because that's my new thing. if I'm at a bar and I don't feel good I start to feel busy, I just go to the bathroom and sit on the toilet at least because I know I can't lay down but I know I can sit down and get my feet up so they come to check on me and make sure I haven't passed out so haven't yet did take a nap once I really tired. so I just have a couple
1: more questions what yeah. do you wish more people knew about POTS
2: I think that's the hardest part with it, like an invisible illness, which is like one of the most annoying words. And I mean, it, it very much describes what it is. But I feel like if you were paying attention, you would see some of it, right? You would see that it's someone who gets short of breath, you know, pretty quickly or someone who is always sitting down or always has their feet set up, or is always wearing some freshing garment when they are not that fashionable. So I wish they knew how much it was like a daily thing and not just sometimes when you're symptomatic thing like it's not just those days and I feel like I have to sit down or lay down it's every day I mean it affects a little bit of something in my everyday. I also have like mast cell dysfunction so I break out in hives, like just getting excited or nervous about things and that has opened up a lot of people's eyes to I feel like my coworkers at least could be like, "Ali, is there, is there something on you? Like one person literally thought I had a hickey the other day. And I was like, I uh-uh, know. <laughs> my husband and I are much old to be getting hickey." I was like, oh no, that is just my pops. And they're like, oh, like didn't even, they're like, I didn't even think about that it would be, you know, something day to day. So I think uh, just there's a lot of people who quietly suffer or quietly are fighting through things. And I think just giving people patience and not, needing to like know why sometimes I think is a huge thing I wish people would just do. Yeah.
1: So my last question is just if there's anything you would want to say to your fellow POTS patients out there who may be listening or anything that you would have wanted to hear maybe on your darkest days from other POTS patients who had broken through
2: the way you have to a at least a slightly better place. First that I'm giving you a virtual hug and you are one of the strongest people out there. If you are still fighting through this every day and getting up and, you know, just getting up to go to the bathroom at least every day, that's a struggle in its own right. So every little thing that you do to just get through life, I think is huge and amazing. And you should pat yourself on the back even though you might not. I was very lucky in that, there was actually two people with POTS that worked on my core when I first passed out. And they were amazing in the way that they were like, they both were pretty well managed. One of them was almost basically in remission outside of just, you know, needing a cardiac a med. And she was just like, it's going to take a while. She's like, it took me at least three years to get to where I'm at right now. So she says, you're not going to be here in a month. So, you know, be patient. She's like, you're going to have bad days. She's like, I still have bad days. I have to call off every once in a while. And she's like, but it's worth it because you're going to feel so much better after you go through these wild tests. A table, table is like something you would never think of as a concept. And it's just still wild to describe to other people when you go through that test. But, and the other one, actually, she had a and I wasn't having symptoms yet, but she, just the way that she was so positive about it. And she had a bunch of foods that triggered her and she just like, yeah, it's annoying that I can't taste that, you know, I have so many other things I want to do with my life. And if that's the one thing it has to give us to live a good life, then that's what I'm going to do. So I think looking for role models or just anyone to be open and honest about what it's like to have pot to help you through it, I think is also a huge, huge part of it.
1: Well, beautiful. Allie, thank you so much for sharing your story and your insights with us. I know everybody appreciates it. And I know everybody listening is wishing you only the best going forward.
2: Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I had a great time. And I'm so inspired by what you do in this podcast. And I can't wait to keep listening.
1: Oh, thank you. Yeah, we have such an amazing community. It's great that everybody kind of joins in to help everybody else. So, hey, listeners, that's all for today. I hope you enjoyed today's conversation. We'll be back next week, but until then, thank you for listening.
0: Remember, you're not alone, and please join us again soon. As a reminder, anything you hear on this podcast is not medical advice. Consult your healthcare team about what's right for you. This show is a production of Standing Up to Pots, which is a 501c3 nonprofit organization. You can send us feedback or make a tax-deductible donation at www.standinguptopots.org. You can also engage with us on social media at the handle StandingUpToPots. If you like what you heard today, please consider subscribing to our podcast and sharing it with your friends and family. You can find us wherever you get your podcasts or at www.thepotscast.com. Thanks for listening.